Good morning. Before I preach, I always look for confirmation that uh, indeed I'm speaking on the right topic. And indeed, uh, two hymns that was uh, that we sung before the service uh, convinced me that this is what God wants me to speak on. Our hearts are amazing. The average heart is the size of a fist in an adult. Your heart will beat about 115,000 times each day. Your heart pumps about 2,000 gallons of blood every day. An electrical system controls the rhythm of your heart. It's called the cardiac conduction system. And the heart can continue beating even when it is disconnected from the body. Matthew 5.8 Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. What is the condition of your heart spiritually? Where is your heart right now? I hope all of you are awake and alert this morning. It's pop quiz time. <laughs> for the adults, so the young ones can sit out on this rod. But if you decided the answer, that's okay too. The theme is mix and match. I'm going to read out some quotations from famous personalities, and your job is to determine who said what. The famous personalities are in alphabetical order by first name. Albert Einstein, Augustine of Hippo, Benjamin Franklin, Charles Dickens, Henry Wadsworth Longfellow, Homer, the Iliad, not the other one, <laughs> and Manhattan Gandhi. The passing mark is that you have to get at least one question right. I'm not as good as Steve, eh? A designing test. Because everybody always gets the last one correct for some reason. Here we go. Prayer is not asking. It is a longing of the soul. It is daily admission of one's witness. It is better to in prayer to have a heart without words than words without a heart. Okay, who said that one? No. <laughs> it's by Mahatma Gandhi. Okay, listen, second one. A torn jacket is soon mend, but hard words bruise the heart of a child. Nope. Henry Wadsworth Longfellow. The heart of a fool is in his mouth, but the mouth of a wise man is in his heart. <laughs> the Benjamin Franklin. You guys are getting close all the time, right? There's only two more choices left. Uh, hateful to me as the case of Hades is that man who hides one thing in his heart and speaks in harder. No, the Homer, the <laughs> Small is the number of them that see their own eyes and feel with their own hearts. <laughs> Albert Einstein. <laughs> I must do something or I shall wear my heart away. <laughs> uh, Charles Dickens. 
Please come to the park and every ball take a pass. Listen carefully. It's because God has made us for Himself, our hearts are restless until they rest in Him. <laughs> Today I would like to get to the heart of the matter. The heart of the matter is the matter of the heart. There are over 800 occurrences of the word heart in the King James Bible. I'm sure that many of you can quote this heart verses by heart. I'm sure that many of you have experienced God's heartwarming teachings and instructions through these heart verses. I'm sure that many of you have touched the hearts of others by sharing these heart verses. Let's read some of them before I launch into my main message. What is the first commandment given by the Lord? Mark 12.30 And thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, and with all thy soul, and with all thy mind, and with all thy strength. This is the first commandment. What is the hope of all Christians? How do we find peace in our lives? John 14 Verse 1 to 3. Let not your heart be troubled. Ye believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you unto myself, that where I am, there ye may be also. When God is looking at us, what is he interested in? Does he look at our outer appearance or does he look at what is inside? First Samuel 16 verse 7 But the Lord said unto Samuel, Look not on his countenance, nor on the height of his stature, because I have refused him. For the Lord seeth not as man seeth. For man looketh on the outer appearance, but the law looketh on the heart. What did God teach us about pleasing him? Daniel 1.8 But Daniel purposed in his heart that he would not, be, would not defile himself with the portion of the king's meat, nor with the wine which he drank, Therefore he requested of the prince of the eunuch that he might not defile himself. What did the scripture teach us about the right motivation? 2 Corinthians 9.7 Every man according as he purposed in his heart, so let him give, not grudgingly or of necessity, for God loves a cheerful giver. What did we learn in the book of Hebrews? About the purpose of God's inspired words. Hebrews 4.12 For the word of God is quick and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing even to the dividing asunder of soul and spirit. And, that, and of the joints and marrow, and is a discerner of the thought and the intent of their hearts. Where's the best place to put God's word? 
Psalm 119.11 Thy word have I hid in my heart that I may not sin against thee. This morning, I entitled my message Sermon of the Heart. It is divided into five sections. Section 1 deals with humility. In section 2, we are going to talk about eternity. In section 3, we will discuss about adoration. Rejoicing will be covered in section 4. And section 5 concentrates on trust. Of course, the first letter of each word forms the word heart to help us to remember the major points. Humility. What is humility? Humility is allying our heart's aim to Christ's example of absolute obedience to the Father. Humility is allying our heart's aim to Christ's example of absolute obedience to the Father. Humility should be the trademark of every Christian, but often we fail in this area. The reason that we fail is that we take our eyes off our Savior. The reason that we fail is that we turn our backs on our Lord. The reason that we fail is that we insist on going our own way. Yes, we are going to do things without God. Yes, we are going to try on our own. Yes, we are going to make provision just in case, in case God doesn't come through. It doesn't take much for pride to raise his ugly head. It doesn't take much for pride to push humility out the door. Yes, I will give God 99.9% of the glory. I just keep a little bit for myself. Yes, I just want to hear my name being mentioned when it comes to good deeds. Yes, I want people to know that I tithe the most. Brothers and sisters, don't give in to the flesh. Brothers and sisters, don't fall into the trap. What is your heart aiming for? Who is your heart aiming at? Align your heart's aim to God. You too can be like David, a man after God's own heart. How do, you allow, how do we align our hearts to God? It is by knowing Christ. It is by meditating on Christ. It is by thinking about Christ. It is by following Christ. It is by serving Christ. And it is by worshipping Christ. Philippians 2, 5 to 8. Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus, who being in the form of God, thought in of robbery to be equal with God, but made himself of no reputation. And talk about him the form of our servants, and was made in the likeness of man. And being found in fashion as a man, he humbled himself, and became obedient unto death, even the death of the cross. We are very familiar with this passage. As one speaker puts it, familiarity does not breed contempt in this case. But familiarity brings neglect. When was the last time do you med that you meditate on it? Has the Holy Spirit speak to you about being humble? Not just in some areas of your life. Has the Holy Spirit convict you 
that you need to be humble in all areas of your life. Have God's word taken hold of your heart in this regard? Is God penetrating to the core of your heart? And you cry out to him, Lord, I'm surrendering, surrendering all to you. Continue to teach me the lesson of humility until I become the person you want me to be, a man after your own heart. Humility in the life of Christ. Jesus made the following statement when he was teaching the disciples. They were talking about who should be the greatest among them. Luke 22, 27. I am among you as he that serveth. This exemplifies his life by humility. This blows my mind away. How can God who created the universe, who is almighty and all-knowing, who is holy and unjust, came to serve? Yet God did this by sending his son. Andrew Murray wrote a book on humility. I'm going to read a little excerpt from it. In the Gospel of John, the inner life of our Lord becomes open to us. Jesus speaks frequently of his relationship to the Father, of the motives by which he is guided, and of his consciousness of the power and spirit in which he acts. Though the word humble is not used, there is no other place in Scripture where his humility is so clearly revealed. Listen to the word from John's Gospel, in which our Lord speaks of his relationship to the Father. And see how unceasingly he uses the word not and nothing of himself. John 5.19, the Son can do nothing of himself. John 5.30, I can of my own self do nothing. As I hear, I judge, and my judgment is just because I seek not mine own will, but the will of the Father which have sent me. John 5.41, I received not honor for men. And John 6.38, for I came down from heaven, not to do my own will, but the will of him that sent me. How about John 7.16, my doctrine is not mine, but his that sent me. John 7, 28, I'm not come of myself. And John 8, 28, I do nothing of myself, but as the Father hath taught me, I speak these things. And also in 8, 42, neither came I of myself, but he sends me. In 8, 50, I seek not my own glory. And also 14, 10, the words which I speak unto you, I speak not of myself. And finally, John 14, 24. The word which ye hear is not mine, but the Father which sent me. Let's live a life that is pleasing to the Father by exercising humility. Humility in the teachings of Christ. Christ doesn't only exhibit humility in his life, but he also teaches it. Let's start with Sermon on the Mount, Matthew 5, 3 and 5. Blessed are the poor in spirit, for there is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. 
Christ points to himself as a, a, an example. Matthew eleven twenty nine, take the take my yoke upon you, and learn of me, for I am meek and lowly in heart, and ye shall find rest unto your soul. Christ used a little child as an object lesson. Matthew eighteen four, whosoever therefore shall humble himself as this little child, the same is greatest in the kingdom of heaven. Christ taught us the divine order of things. Luke eighteen fourteen, everyone that exalteth himself shall be abased, and he that humbleth himself shall be exalted. Christ demonstrated humility by showing the disciples what to do. John thirteen verse fourteen, if I, then your Lord and Master. Have washed your feet; ye also ought to wash one another's feet. I read the biography of Robert Robert C. Chapman. He lived to be ninety nine years old. He wanted to obey the Lord's commandments about washing one another's feet. Of course, everybody was not comfortable in allowing him to wash his or her feet. So instead of washing feet. He cleaned and shined the shoes and boots of all the guests who stay with him every day. Let's heed the teaching of Christ and serve others with humility. Eternity. What is eternity? Eternity is projecting our hearts into infinity. In the direction of our Lord and Savior, eternity is projecting our heart into infinity, in the direction of our Lord and Savior. We are finite creatures. There was a time that we did not exist. There was a moment that we came into being. We can talk infinity, but we do not really comprehend infinity. To learn about infinity, we have to go to the Eternal One. The one who always exists, the one who has no beginning and no end, the one who was, who is, and who is to come, because only the eternal one can talk about eternity. Only our God can say the following: Jeremiah thirty-one three, I have loved thee with an everlasting love. Hebrews thirteen five, I will never leave thee nor forsake thee. The reason that God loved us for eternity is because He provided a way for us to have eternal life, and we can have eternal life by believing in God's only begotten Son. We can have eternal life by accepting God's free gift of salvation. We can have eternal life by confessing that we are sinners in need of Christ as our Savior. John three sixteen, for God so loved the world. That he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. To launch ourselves into eternity, we need to project our hearts into infinity, in the direction of our Lord and Savior. We have to start somewhere. We have to take the following first step. Romans ten verse nine and ten, that if thou shalt confess. With thy mouth, the Lord Jesus, and shall believe in thine heart that God has raised Him from the dead, 
thou shalt be saved. For with the heart man believeth unto righteousness, and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. In the eternity is a long journey. We are advised to take the high road and not the low path. It will take some time. We have to look at things from God's perspective. The central call rather than the superficial service. Keep praying for spiritual insights and heavenly discernment. Ephesians 2 6 and hath raised us up together and make us sit together in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. We are to learn to set our eyes on eternal things and values rather than temporary security and pleasures. How did Jesus our Lord instruct us regarding the right priorities in our life? Matthew 6 19 to 21. Lay not up for yourself treasures upon earth, where moth and rust doth corrupt, and where thieves break through and steal. But lay up for yourself treasures in heaven, where neither moth nor rust doth corrupt, and where thieves do not break through nor steal. Verse 21. For where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. We are to fix our eyes on the eternal Lord, our advocate, and our intercessor who is sitting on the right hand of the throne of God. Hebrews 12, 2. Looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is set down at the right hand of the throne of God. Adoration. What is adoration? Adoration is casting our hearts in unadulterated affection to the Holy One. Adoration is casting our hearts in unadulterated affection to the Holy One. If we can only do one thing in life, we should do the following. Deuteronomy 6.5 and thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thine heart, and with all thy soul, and with all thy might. The following is a little excerpt from A.W. Tozer's book, Tozer on Worship and Entertainment. According to the author, one of the ingredients of worship is love. Before he talked about love, he discussed other ingredients such as admiration, honor, and fascination. Here's how the quote goes. Another ingredient which perhaps should have been mentioned first is love. We can love without worshipping, but we cannot worship without loving. Then love when it lets itself go and no longer has any restraint becomes adoration. If I had the power, I would pass a law permitting the use of such word as love honor and adore, only in prayer, Bible teaching, preaching, and song. We have spoiled them and make them common, yet they belong to God. Worship seeks union with his beloved and an active effort to close the gap between the heart and the God it adores 
is worship at its best. We can love God because He first loved us. Let's adore God without any reservation. Let's adore Him without any condition. Let's adore Him without any hypocrisy. Let's adore Him without any hindrances. Let's cast our hearts in unadulterated affection to the Holy One. Rejoicing. What is rejoicing? Rejoicing is expressing our heart's emotion of the inner presence of the Divine. Rejoicing is expressing our heart's emotion of the inner presence of the Divine. Philippians 4.4 Rejoice in the Lord always, and again I say rejoice. The secret of Paul's exhortation is found in the word in the Lord. No matter how dark the circumstances of life may be, it is always possible for the Christian to rejoice in the Lord. One person shares his experience regarding Christian joy. Christian joy is a mood independent of our immediate circumstances. If we were dependent on our surrounding, then indeed it would be an, as uncertain as an unprotected candle burning on a gusty night. One, more, one moment the candle burns clear and steady. The next moment the blaze leaps to this very edge of the wick and afford little or no light. But Christian joy has no relationship to the transient setting of life, and therefore it is not the victim of the passing day. And of point. The secret of Christian joy lies in God's promises. We need to claim them moment by moment as we, as we go through life and rejoice in the Lord. Matthew 28:20, Lo, I am with you always even until the end of the world. This verse will remind me of two lines from the song, Reach out to Jesus. He is always there, hearing, uh, have, hearing every prayer, faithful and true. Walking by our side, in his love we hide all the day through. Isaiah 40, 28. Hast thou not known, hast thou not heard, that the everlasting God, the Lord, the creator of the ends of the earth, fainteth not, neither is weary. God never gets tired. We can rejoice and be rest assured that he is keeping his eye on us. Psalm 121 verse 3, He that keepeth thee will not slumber. God is available all the time. He does not have office hours. We can go to him anytime. We can commute with Him and rejoice. We can rejoice because of our assurance of salvation. Christ is watching over us. John chapter 10, verse 27 to 30. My sheep hear my voice, and I know them. And they follow me, and I give unto them eternal life. And they shall never perish. Neither shall any man pluck them out of my hand. My Father which gave them me is greater than all, and no man is able to pluck them out of my Father's hand. I and my Father 
are one. When we suffer for his name's sake, God is close to us. When we are being persecuted for being his children, God is there embracing our souls. His very presence gives us peace. His very presence brings us joy unspeakable. Matthew 5, 11 and 12 Blessed are ye when men shall revile you and persecute you and shall, and shall say all manner of evil against you falsely for my sake. Rejoice and be exceeding glad. For great is your reward in heaven. For so persecute they the, prophet, the prophets which were before you. First Peter 4, 12 and 13 Beloved, think it not strange concerning the fiery trial which is to try you, as though some strange thing happened unto you. But rejoice, inasmuch as ye are particular of Christ's suffering, that when his glory shall be revealed, you may be glad also with exceeding joy. Finally, trust. What is Trust. Trust is the giving of our hearts to God and let Him do the leading. Trust is the giving of our hearts to God and let Him do the leading. A lot of time after we are saved, we still like to be in the driver's seat. We like to control where we would like to go, how fast to go, and what time we would like to go. However, when you call Jesus Lord, are you treating him as Lord in reality or are you calling him Lord in name only? Yes, you have surrendered the driving to him, but you still like to be the navigator. You still like to have a say in every matter. Trusting God demands our complete abdication from both driving and navigating. We are to do things at His command, we are to move at His signal, we are to go at His pace. What does God say about the condition of the human heart? Jeremiah 17, 9. The heart is deceitful above all things and desperately wicked. Who can know it? Does this verse apply to you? Yes. Does this verse apply to me? Most definitely. None of us can be exempted from this verse. That's why the scripture at every turn admonishes us to trust in the Lord. Psalm 118 verse 8. It is better to trust in the Lord than to put confidence in man. I would go as far to say it is best to trust in the Lord because I can neither trust myself nor another human being. Both of us are human and our hearts are capable of many evil things. What does the Bible teach us about total surrender and total submission? Proverbs chapter 3 verse 5 and 6 Trust in the Lord with all thine heart and lean not unto thy own understanding. In all thy ways acknowledge him, 
and he shall direct thy path. We can properly trust in the Lord when everything seems to be going all right. We can properly trust in the Lord when everything seems to be going our way. What about the time when we encounter trials and tribulation? What about the time when we face serious health challenges? What about the time when we have to deal with important family matters? What about the time when we have to solve difficult financial crisis? May our answer be a resounding yes. We will trust the Lord. Psalm 91, verse 1 and 2. He that dwelleth in the secret place of the Most High shall abide under the shadow of the Almighty. I will say of the Lord, He is my refuge and my fortress, my God, in Him will I trust. Do you know why you should completely trust in the Lord? It is because God is omnipresent. He is present everywhere. He is with you no matter where you are. It is because God is omniscient, all-knowing. He is beside you when you are feeling lonely. It is because God is omnipotent, all-powerful. He is upholding you when you are too weak to go on. Many times, instead of running to God with our problems, we, having the sin nature, tend to try to solve the problem on our own. We know better, meaning our thinking, but we do know better, meaning our action. We must learn to relinquish our control. We must attempt to decrease self. We must give our hearts to God and let Him be in charge. 2 Timothy 1.12 I know whom I have believed and am persuaded that He is able to keep that which I have committed unto Him against that day. As my sermon is drawing to a close, the heart of the matter is indeed the matter of the heart. If your heart is healthy in the five areas we have just looked at, I thank God for your wonderful testimony and your life will surely be a blessing to others. If your heart is weak in any of the areas we have talked about, you need to come before the Lord and ask Him to provide you with the proper exercise to strengthen your heart. Before I finish, I would like to leave you with these two Bible verses. Psalm 139, verse 23 and 24. Search me, O God, and know my heart. Try me and know my thoughts. And see if there be any wicked way in me and lead me in the way everlasting. David, can I ask you, can I ask you to close in prayer? And then we will sing hymn 545, Cleanse Me in the Red Hymnals. Thank you. Our Heavenly Father, we thank you for the message that was brought forth today by your servant Chris. And may it speak to all of us. May we hear the, the words that were spoken and truly allow you to take control of our life, not only as driver, but as navigator. We pray that we will put these words into practice, Lord. We pray that you will part us also today and 
supposed to be great testimonies for you out in the world amongst the lost and may we reach your souls for you. We ask this all in Jesus' precious and holy name. Amen. Yeah, hymn 545, cleanse me in the red hymnal.